I say, the Partito Democratico, the left, was in power for 10 years. They didn't do nothing. Now, a center-right government must have the brave, because we have to be brave when we are in, in government, to, have the, to be brave to do some conservative politics on ethnic teams. We must do some politics for the family. We, have to, we must do some politics for the birth rate. Join the best in the movement. It's Conservative Conversations with ISI, educating for liberty since 1953. Welcome back. You're listening to Conservative Conversations with Johnny Burtka and Marlo Slayback. Today's guest is Francesco Giubilei, president of the leading Italian conservative foundation Fondazione Tatarella and of the cultural movement Nazione Futura, writer for the newspaper Il Giornale and a contract professor at the University di Fortunato of Benevenuto. Giubilei was recently included in Forbes' list of 100 most influential youths in Italy under 30, and he is the author of The History of European Conservative Thought. He joins us in the aftermath of the recent Italian elections, which saw the election of Giorgia Maloney, head of the Conservative Nationalist Party in Italy, as the next Prime Minister of Italy. Welcome to the podcast, Francesco. Thank you for your invitation. Before we get to our interview, we'd like to thank you all for listening to Conservative Conversations. This podcast is a production of the Intercollegiate Studies Institute. Our mission at ISI is to educate for liberty. If you'd like to help us in pursuing that mission, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcast to help us reach more listeners like yourself. Francesco, the Conservative National Party recently won a big election in Italy, which means that Giorgia Maloney will be the next prime minister. Can you start out by telling us a bit about who she is, her background, and uh, some relevant details about the state of Italian politics generally? Yes, how you know, we are the country of Machiavelli. So talking about the Italian politics is every time really difficult. And uh, it's really difficult also for us that we are Italian. So I can imagine how difficult it is for someone that is from abroad. But I can try uh, briefly to uh, summarize what is happening in Italy and why Giorgia Meloni won the uh, election. Uh, in Italy, we have a center-right coalition that is formed by three main parties. One is the Fratelli d'Italia, that is the party of Giorgia Meloni, and is a conservative party. The other party is <clears throat> Lega by Matteo Salvini, and we can define Lega in, in Italy. We use the word uh, sovranista. There isn't a translation in English, probably is national populist, something like that but it's an identitarian party and the third party is a classical liberal party for Italia made by Silvio Berlusconi that was our former prime minister and he is also well known abroad for many reasons and the brother of Italy according to the polls was only three years ago or two years ago a party that was in 5%, 6%. In the European election of uh, 2019, uh, the voters that uh, uh, vote for Brother of Italy were only 6%. And imagine that Lega was 34%. And so what happened in the last two or three years is that Lega lost many voters, probably because uh, Salvini decided um, to enter in the Draghi government, probably uh, because Salvini decided to, uh, to exit from the Conte government, that it was a, a government made by Lega and Five Star Movement, but for many reasons, Lega start losing voters. But in the same time, the Brother of Italy decided to change a lot uh, the, the, the way uh, of uh, and the position of the parties. In Brother of Italy, born more or less 10 years ago, and it was a small political party 
born in Roma. And in Italy, the right of Rome is quite different from the right of the north of Italy. <clears throat> the north of Italy is the more uh, rich part of the country, is the more industrial part of the country. So the north of Italy, there is like more a classical liberal right. So in favor of tax uh, cut, in favor of low bureaucracy, in favor of the entrepreneurial world. The right of Rome is more a social right. So is more linked with the state, with the central, with the central states, with some politics that are more in favor of welfare states. But the brother of Italy start changing in the last two, three years, their position. Giorgia Meloni uh, became the president of ECR, that is the um, European group uh, in the parliament that was founded by the Tories, uh, by the, uh, the Conservative Party in UK. And in the same time, she changed a lot her position in economy. She's become more uh, in favor of some classical liberal politics. And in the same time, she started changing also the international position of Brother of Italy. Today, Brother of Italy is probably the more uh, pro-Atlantic and the more pro-United um, States, I can say, and the pro-Western political party in the Italian uh, landscape. And this is quite interesting. Maybe later we can discuss a bit about this topic because it's quite important. And one last word about Giorgia Meloni. Uh, she's uh, quite young. She's born in 1977. Uh, so she's not an old leader. And what is interesting is that she is the first uh, Prime Minister woman in our in our history and how it's happening also in the United States. You can imagine how uh, was the campaign of uh, the left. Uh, every time say that the right is against the woman, that the right is uh, is fascist, this kind of things. So you, you know because it's happening unfortunately all over the Western countries. And finally, the first Prime Minister woman is come from a Conservative Party. So after England, where they had uh, Margaret Thatcher, they had Theresa May, and now that the new Prime Minister that she's a woman. Also, another important country in Europe has a new uh, prime minister that is a woman, and she is conservative. I have to bring up, you know, kind of the the punditry that's been done from the U.S. on the Italian elections, because a lot of pundits like to believe that America is the axis on which the universe turns, and a lot of the uh, interpretation of Maloney's victory has been obviously unfavorable to to that victory, calling her a slew of different slew of different things and tracing her win back to, you know, some rather terrible elements of Italian history. What are your thoughts on how Americans have interpreted that victory in Italy? And what does is that even something that's on the minds of Italians, how, you know, especially Americans are thinking about is even a comparable situation like Georgia Maloney and other populist victories throughout the West? I think that is not only a problem of uh, American media and American, um, not all the people, of course, but American liberal people, but it's a problem also some <clears throat> European and also Italian uh, liberal media. Um, I, I'm doing many interviews in these days with international media, with many important German, French, uh, uh, some, some, someone also from Spain or United States, uh, liberal magazines. And every time that I had an interview with them, they asked me, but is Georgia Meloni a, a neo-fascist is a brother of Italy, a, a neo-fascist party. There is a danger of fascism in Italy. And when I listen this, I say, come on, it's something that is not linked with the reality. And the big mistake, the bigger mistake of the left in Italy was doing a campaign based on the danger of fascism. 
that is something that for the men of the street uh, is nothing because the men of the street in Italy right now, especially in the south, but in all the country, want to have answer for the energy crisis. We pay a lot the energy. Want to have answer from the inflation. The cost of the life is really high. Want to have answer in in the uh, in the in the safe on the security of the city. There are some part of the big city where there are some problems. Want to have answer with the legal migration. We have a problem. You, you know how our country is in the middle of the Mediterranean area. We receive every day thousands of illegal migrants. These are the answers that the men of the street want to be answered. And the left, for all the campaigns, say there is the danger of fascism. And how said you before, Giorgio Meloni, born in 1977. And fascism ended in 1945, when Mussolini died. But it's not Francesco who said that. It's Renzo de Felice, that is the most important historian of fascism. And he was a professor of the most important Italian university, is, uh, that he was linked with the left, with the Communist Party. But he was a serious historian. So the thing is... Uh, there is not a danger of fascism because Fratelli Italia is not a fascist party, it's a conservative party. But you know that also in the United States sometimes happen that against some conservative leaders, some conservative people, the, the liberals try to attack and say that some Americans are fascist or the kind of thing. For me, as an Italian, for all the Italian, reading that an American is fascist is something that is really funny because you had democracy for many years, you didn't have fascism. But in Italy, of course, we have for 20 years fascism. So in Italy, it's something really serious if someone tries to attack another politician or another person and say that he's a fascist. It's something really serious in some way. So the, the real point, to be honest intellectually, is this. In my opinion, the real question that all the people must do is this. Is, is a center-right government, is Giorgio Meloni, uh, our Fratelli Italia, able to afford this difficult moment for Europe and for Italy? Are they able to afford the energy crisis, the public debt, because we have a really high public debt, the relation with the European Union, the war in Ukraine? If someone asks me, this question is say, I don't know, we have to see. We have to see the names of the ministers, we have to see how they act. And this is a serious way to try to understand what is happening in Europe and in our country. But the way how the New York Times wrote an article in, in July where they say that it's coming a new danger for Italy or El Pais, that the title of El Pais, the biggest Spain newspaper was La Ultra Derecha, the ultra-right is coming to Italy, is a way not to understanding what is happening in a country where many people, I'm talking about millions of people, that until 10 years ago voted for the left, voted for Partito Democratico, right now voted for the centre-right. And it's similar to what, ha uh, what happened two weeks ago in Sweden. Sweden is the country of uh, the welfare state, is the country of the social democracy. They lost the country. But they lost the country because they, can, they are not able anymore to talk to the problem of normal people. Also, the thing, one last point, about the European Union, they are doing the so-called Green Deal, and they are deciding that in 2035, we, have, we must stop using the, the, the car with, for example, gasoline. We must use the car with the, uh, all the electric cars. First of all, they don't talk about the danger of the Chinese. 
because uh, all the um, bacteria are made by lithium and cobalt that, uh, that came from the, the Chinese. So there is a, a security problem concerning the electric car. And second, they are destroying the, especially the German and the Italian industry because we are, imagine, we are the country of Fiat, we are the country of Ferrari, the country of Maserati, the country of Lamborghini, and are not only big companies, are also some small entrepreneurial which works in, in, in the automotive sector. So we're talking about many peoples and they are destroying with this crazy politics our economy. So I think that the center-right government must act in this way and in an economics uh, point of view, must do a really high cut uh, of the tax. Francesco, I have a, a question for you on some of the class divides on the right. You touched on them a little bit when you were talking about the right of Rome being different than the right in the north and how Georgia Maloney pivoted a bit and has you know, embraced some classical liberal principles, perhaps to, to win over the constituents in the north. At the same time, there was a pretty popular clip going around the internet of her critiquing globalist corporations and trying to turn Italians into perfect individual consumers, eroding, you know, the nation, the family, local civic associations. So I'm curious, you know, in the the United States, we only have two parties. And so the Republican Party does have this built in tension between its new working class voter base and you know, more business owners that, are, you know, support the party. So how does, how, do, how does this work on the right in Italy? And how do you navigate this in conservative circles over there? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, for you, the situation is quite different because uh, when, you t- when we talk about sovereignty, for you, is not a topic. I mean, you are a 100% sovereignty country. Uh, you have your independence. <clears throat> you are not inside some sovereign national entities. But in Europe, it's totally different because we are inside the sovereign national entities like European Union. And the point is, in the last years, what is happening is that for the, the, the economy, uh, there, there are some, pro- some industry that uh, are Italian industry that decide to change the, 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 the way to product their products and they decided to change not only the, the fiscal residence, but they decide also to move all the industry in other country. In other country, outside the European Union, this happened also for American countries, for example, with, with China, with, with Asia. But in Europe happens, outside European Union, but also inside European Union. So it happened, for example, that many Italian industry moved to Western Europe because the, um, the salary, the cost of the salary is low. And this creates much more poverty inside our, our country. So when the right sometimes try to criticize the, uh, the concept of globalization is criticized, I think, these kind of things. They, they criticize that, uh, for example, there are some, um, some industries that change the, the way to, to produce to, 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 to product in, uh, in Italy and go to other countries, and this creates some socio-economic uh, problem also inside, uh, inside the country. And this is a big problem also with the European Union. Because uh, no one say and um, is not anymore a topic to exit from the European Union. Uh, so uh, sometimes I read also some conservatives that write about an Italy exit, uh, France exit, uh, is not a topic anymore. Uh, to be honest, it was a topic ten years ago. It was a topic fifteen years ago, but it's not a topic anymore. 
and is not a topic exit from the euro in Italy. What is the real topic is to, uh, to underline that we have some problems. Of course, we have high public debt. We have uh, uh, some, uh, some problem in our economy. We know that. But in any case, we are the third country of European Union. We are a founder of the European Union, and we are the third economy inside the European Union. And in the end, in the end of the year, we give more money to the European Union than the money that we receive back. So Italy, France, and Germany give more money to the European Union, for example, compared to other small countries. So we we are inside the european union but we want to be more powerful inside the european union it's not possible for us that every time we uh, have to um, uh, i do what the germans or the french say and look about the energy crisis we are living an energy crisis and okay there is the war of course we know what's happened but there are also a lot of mistakes that the european union and the german made in the last years i make you an example you know the pipeline Nord Stream is a pipeline that came from Russia to Germany and, of course, to Europe because the gas is a European market. The, the Italian, a few years ago, said we must uh, build a new pipeline and we propose to build a pipeline in the Cyprus area, in the Israel area and in the Greek area, in the Mediterranean area where our national company of oil, any had a lot of power in this part of the Mediterranean area. And we say we have to build a new pipeline that is coming from the, the Mediterranean area, arrive to Italy and after arrive in the north of Europe. The Germans say, no, we have to build the Nord Stream 2. So now we have the Nord Stream 1. It doesn't work. The Nord Stream 2, it doesn't work. And we don't have the, uh, uh, the HESMED that was the other pipeline from the Mediterranean area. And the result, what is it? it, it the result is that the Italians, the Germans, everyone pay a lot the cost of energy. And in the same times, for uh, the, the way that uh, the Green Deal is making, it is a, previously a German decision to, to, for example, close in, in Germany the nuclear central, to close, for example, the, the, the fossil energy system. And we, we have every time to, uh, to do what the German and what the French say. And for us, this is not acceptable. Also because we have a strong relation with the other Mediterranean countries, like, like Spain, like Greeks, like Portugal. I know that there are smaller countries, of course, inside the, the European Union, but it's not possible that every time some country, like, for example, Holland, that have a totally different vision of the European Union from us, they decide the line of 27 countries. This is the point, uh, in my opinion, uh, that Georgia Meloni and the central-right government want to underline inside the European Union, also linked to the globalization and the economic issues. So I want to go back to the clip that Johnny was referring to earlier of Georgia Maloney that was circulating on the internet where she identifies herself as, um, among other things, as a Christian. And I just happened to finish reading Giuseppe Tomasi di Lampedusa's book, Leopard, one of the most famous pieces of Italian literature. Um, and it was written by, of course, the last prince of Lampedusa. It was his only published book. And what struck me the most about the book, which is written about the Risorgimento in Italy, is the concern of one of the main characters, who is a Jesuit Catholic priest. And he's, a, he's concerned about the influence of the church if Italy becomes a united democratic country. I, I'm interested in just how you describe Catholicism in Italy today, because a lot of the turnout for Giorgio Maloney was Catholics. 
And this is quite different in the U.S. We have um, a quite a robust Catholic base behind the, you know, the progressive Democrats or just Democrats in general. But uh, how would you describe Catholicism in Italy today as it follows trends like the rest of Europe in declining religious observance? And can conservative leadership, do you think, revive the faith, especially among young Catholics who may maybe be disillusioned by the church, which, of course, is such um, so ingrained in Italian culture? Yes, I think that there are many points in common between uh, our conservatism and American or Anglo-conservatism. But one of the main differences between an Italian and a Latin conservatism with an American and an English one is that, in, in my opinion, it's not possible to split Italian conservatism with the tradition of the church. So that meaning also if someone, I don't know, is not a, a, a Catholic directly, he doesn't go to, to church, but uh, the Catholic in history affect a lot the way in how we are Italian, affect a lot our identity. And no one can, can say that that is not true. And that meaning, for example, that in, on the economic issues, the, our conservatism is, focused more, is more focused on welfare states, for example, but not because it's a, a social vision of the society, because it's starting from the social doctrine of the church, Leone XIII. Leone XIII explained how it's important to help, for example, the, the, the poor people. And for us, the conservative is quite important. I think that one of the most important uh, philosopher, uh, Catholic philosopher in the world is Augusto del Noce. And Augusto del Noce, I don't know if there are books translated in English, but Augusto del Noce explained a lot uh, how is important to fight the concept of revolution? How is important to fight the, um, the uh, what happened after the 1968? And this affects a lot the position of the conservative in Italy. Um, yesterday, I had a, a debate in in television. And I want to tell you about that with many uh, um, leftist people, journalists, and politicians, and they start saying, "Okay, now there is a center-right government." And uh, they uh, have to do some politics in favor of the gay marriage. They have to do some politics in favor of <clears throat> the adoption of children by gay couples. They have to do some uh, uh, politics in favor of, uh, of rights. And I say, the, the Partito Democratico, the left, was in power for 10 years. They didn't do nothing. Now, a center-right government must have the brave, because we have to be brave when we are in, in government, to, have the, to be brave, to do some conservative politics on ethnic teams. We must do some politics for the family. We, have to, we must do some politics for the birth rate. And I know that, they, like in the United States, all the influencers, all the liberal media, all the, um, uh, the, the actors, this kind of people will attack all the, the, uh, the radical chic, we use this concept, will attack this kind of politics, but we don't have to care. Because if the Italian vote for a conservative party, we must do this kind of politics. We must do some politics in favor of, our, of the family. We must do some politics that are in line with Catholicism. Of course, when we talk about Catholic uh, in politics, I have to say that uh, right now the influence of the church, like institution, is not anymore powerful in the Italian politics. We came from... Uh, in the Fourth Republic from 1945, so after the Second World War, until 1992, there was the so-called Fourth Republic. And in this period, the Democrazia Cristiana, the Christian Democrats, was the leading party of Italy. And the church for 50 years say to all people, you must vote for Democrazia Cristiana. 
and all the Catholic and in, in all the priests, everyone say vote for Democracy Cristiana, and everyone vote for this party. After 1992, the Democracy Cristiana fall down, and this is meaning that there are many parties that talk to the Catholic world. And right now, the votes of Catholic is split. It's split between Lega, Fratelli Italia, someone for Italia, but also many Catholic vote for the left. Also many Catholic vote for the left moderate. So there is any more an influence of the church to, to say vote for this political party. It doesn't exist anymore. What is exist, of course, is another kind of influence. Is It's meaning that when someone became prime minister in Italy, First of all, we say we say that that the prime minister in Italy, first of all, must talk, of course, with the president of the republic because we are not a presidential system. So we have a president of the republic and a prime minister. So the prime minister must talk first with the president of the republic. After, must talk with the American ambassador. We, we used to say that, and must talk with the pope. So that meaning that in, 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 there is still a power of the church to have a, a kind of soft power, I say, in the politics, also because the church is really powerful also in an economic way in Italy. They have hospitals, they have many, many schools, so there is a power that still exists, but I can say that it's more a soft power and not anymore an hard power that is able to say to people, let's go to the pool and vote for this party instead of the other party. This doesn't exist uh, anymore, but it, it exists, of course, uh, a strong soft power by the church. Francesca, you talked about the the influence of Catholicism on Italian conservatism. I'm wondering if you could also talk about the influences of the Roman Republic, the Roman Empire, the Renaissance. What are some of the other influences that shape your vision of conservatism? Yeah, you know, according to the, the, the most important historian, conservatism born in 1719 with the, the book of Edmund Burke, The Reflection on French Revolution. And I agree for the Anglo-American conservatism. But I always said to you before, our conservatism is different. And if I have to find some moment in the, the, the history where our conservatism born is with the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire, sometimes some people say that we have to open our borders to everyone because the Roman Empire was a multicultural empire. But the Roman Empire, like the Catholic Church, it was a universal empire. That meaning that when Rome conquered a territory, exported the Roman identity and the so-called concept of Mos Maiorum. Mos Maiorum is meaning the values of the Roman Empire. And they conquered another territory and they exported the values of Mos Maiorum. And in all over the Roman Empire, there were this kind of values. And one of the most important concepts of the Roman Empire was the defense of the borders. The, there is a word, the Latin is limes. Limes is meaning the borders of the Roman Empire that separate the civilization from the barbarian. And all the society of the Roman society was based with some conservative concept, the concept of the authority, the respect of the authority, the concept of bureaucracy. There was a really strong bureaucracy. The concept of a link between the political power, the military power, and the religion power. First, first the pagan, and after, especially with Constantino, 
a Catholic power. So it's meaning to have a, a society where it underlines the importance of the spiritual view of the society that we are losing in, in the modern age because we, we, feel, we feel as human invincible, and this is because of probably what happened with the French Revolution, but there is also a really important spiritual side of the man, and we have to underline that. So the, the, the conservatism in Italy started with the Roman Empire. After that, of course, it was linked with the uh, Catholic Church, so the history of Catholic Church. But if I have to find another important moment for our conservatism, is the Middle Ages. You know that, I don't know if it, in the um, United States happens the same, but every time that someone tries to say something conservative, s- someone say, ah, you want to come back to the Middle Ages. I don't know if it's the same in your debate. That is something ridiculous, totally ridiculous, because the same people that say, you want to come back to the Middle Ages, are the people that say, oh, I read Dante Alighieri, how beautiful is the book of Dante Alighieri, how beautiful is Divina Commedia. And come on, if you read Divina Commedia, it's totally a middle-aged uh, book. And Dante Alighieri is totally a Catholic author. And he was totally a conservative, in, um, we can say, right now. In the Middle Age, what happened? It happened that uh, born the local identity of Italy. We are, as Italian, we have three kinds of identity. We have a local identity. A local identity is not a regional identity, but is an identity from city to city. What is happening in Italy is something that probably is unique in all the world, because if you change in 20 kilometers one city to the other city, they speak in a different way, they eat a different kind of pasta, for example, and they, they have a totally different tradition from city to city. So in 30 kilometers, you, you change everything, especially where? Especially in Tuscany, because Tuscany was a, a region that born especially during the Middle Ages. So we have a local identity that started from this period. After, we have a national identity, of course, that is the Italian identity that we share all together in all the country. And third, we have a European identity that is, of course, different from a a, a European Union. And we have also, of course, a a Western identity. But the Middle Age was important because in the the city of the Middle Age, probably you visited, I don't know, Siena or some important city in in Italy. And you see that around the city there was the wall and the wall covered the city. And inside the square, the medieval square, there was every time the tower, so the temporal power and the uh, campanile, we say in Italy, that is the, the church power. And in the Middle Ages, there were three kinds of power that were the military power, is so-called in Italy, we use the word cavalieri, and the temporal power and the spiritual power. So the Middle Ages is quite an important part for our history and for our conservatism. After that, we arrived in the modern age with, in 1789. Of course, all the Italian are against the, conserv- the Italian conservative are against the concept of uh, Jacobinism, the concept of a uh, French Revolution, and the kind of things. And one last point is in modern age to fight what happened in 1968. So in 1968 happened the fight against the family, happened the fight against um, the the role of the teacher in the school. A society that uh, tried to be a uh, focus on the not mer- uh, not a meritocracy society, but the concept of the the politics six. So everyone has to be on the same line, uh, but in 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 a mediocre way. So 
to fight against what happened also in 1968. And we arrived to conservatism in, in our age. And today, to be a conservative in Italy, briefly, is meaning to defend our identity, of course, and is meaning also to underline that we must, especially in foreign politics, rediscover the power that we can have in the Mediterranean area against other cultures like the Turkish, for example. The Turkish, for us, in the Mediterranean area, in North Africa, in the Balkan area, they are taking a lot of Italian influence. And so we, we must rediscover a vision of um, our country also in foreign politics. In this case, I can say that the French are better than us, only in this probably. <laughs> I'm joking. But uh, the French are a lot focused on foreign politics. They are probably they sell themselves more than uh, how they are really, and we see in in many wars. But they sell themselves as a really big country, a really big powerful country is the concept of la grandeur. And as as Italians, sometimes we underestimate ourselves. We underestimate the soft power also that we can have. There is no country all over the world where if you go and say I'm Italian. All, all the people say, oh, you are Italian. Everyone is happy to, 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 to say that there is someone from Italy because we don't have historical enemies or someone that is, is, is against us. So in this way, we have to use this soft power, but in the same time, I, I don't understand why we don't use our navy in the Mediterranean area. I don't understand why we, we don't use more our, uh, our power in the, in the Balkan area. And I hope that the conservative government can start changing also the foreign politics in this way. So two recommendations I have based on what we just discussed for just for listeners. You mentioned Agosto del Noche's, uh, it seemed like you're referring to Crisis of Modernity. So a great read for anyone interested in delving more into that Italian philosopher. And also you mentioned the 1968, kind of the, the, the in France it was riots at least. And I know, I think it was Roger Scruton who said that that was what influenced him to become a conservative, um, was witnessing the in 1968, some of the upheaval in France. But my, my question is, at least I've seen this in, in Britain, is the U.S. tends to kind of, one of its worst uh, exports is what we call like woke politics. So a lot of a lot of things coming out of, for example, tech companies and just culture that has tended leftward um, with gender ideology and other, as conservatives, things that are we consider patholog- pathological because they are pathological do you see that occurring in Italy as well? Uh, I know the UK has had some pretty like Orwellian reactions to, to that sort of thing that's kind of been ingrained in even their legal system. But has Italy also kind of taken on that? Because I, I know France, for example, they've kind of, in, in a way, because I believe because of, because of Les Cité, they've been more kind of shielded against it in some ways. But what, what would you say Italians have reacted to some of the, like, woke politics that the U.S. has kind of been hell-bent on sending to other countries overseas. Is the problem also in um, in Italy. It's becoming a problem also in Italy uh, because there are some movements that want to uh, to do some woke politics, sometimes in a really uh, funny way because they talk about uh, some themes that are not theme in Italy. They talk about, for example, the, uh, the theme of... Uh, um, 
uh, racism and uh, about uh, the, um, the minority of uh, uh, other ethnics, but it's not a topic in Italy because we are uh, we don't have uh, uh, right now the, the, the things. Uh, in France, it's quite different because they are um, they had many colonies, so they receive many people from also Africa in the past. It's quite different the society in France. I can say that we have this work problem in Italy. But I can say that if I compared our country to France, Germany, United Kingdom, and also Spain, I can say that in Western Europe, luckily, we are the right now the, the more conservative country. In And also some people that don't vote for the center-right, but they have more common sense compared to uh, the left in other European countries. And uh, look at to our capital. Imagine, imagine the other capital. Imagine Berlin, total European city. is a total European city. Imagine London is a total European city. Imagine also Madrid and the capital of Stockholm, of North Europe, Amsterdam, Bruxelles. They are totally losing their national identity. If you come to Rome, of course, it's a city with many problems. And, uh, uh, of course, there are many problems. But in the same time, it's probably the most identitarian city, in uh, the most identitarian capital in, in Western Europe. Because uh, we still maintain, also in the neighbor of the big city, we still maintain, uh, how can I say, social control of the society. For example, we, <clears throat> luckily, we never had some uh, uh, big uh, um, problem with, uh, for example, terrorism. And we are the only country in Europe where we, which we didn't receive many big terrorism attacks. We uh, there are some problems with migrants, but in the same times there is not only I can say an official control by the the police, but also by the people. That say if you don't respect the the law, the, the people act against the, the, some some people who don't respect the the unwritten law of of our country. So I can say that work is a problem that is entering in Italy too, but right now it's not so dangerous in, uh, like in other European countries. And I really hope with the center-right government this can affect a lot to do some politics in, uh, in favor of, uh, uh, of defending identity and against the, the craze of cancel culture. And we, we didn't have, for example, for cancel culture, uh, some statues that are destroyed. We only have one episode in, in the north of Italy with the statue, but it, it, there aren't some episodes incredible like the, uh, we saw in United States and like we saw in United Kingdom. So it's still a conservative country, Italy, for many reasons. And uh, I say luckily. Francesca, we're out of time for today, but I really appreciate you joining the podcast. If people want to see more of your work or stay up to date on Italian politics, uh, where can they find you and where can they look? I think uh, that they can find me on social media <laughs> that are the, the most common place. So uh, on Twitter, uh, my account is uh, JubileF. And uh, on, uh, of course, uh, Facebook, they can follow uh, not only my channel, but also the channel of uh, Nazione Futura. And uh, in the same time, if someone understands Italian, can also read my books and articles. And, uh, and I hope to, to see some American conservative friends soon in Rome, that you are always our guest. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Conservative Conversations with ISI. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to head over to isi.org resources to see all that we offer our members. 
including the Intercollegiate Review, Select Modern Age articles, ISI books, and of course, this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to rate and review, and we will see you next time on Conservative Conversations with ISI.